I'm Grant, an engineering and technology leader who will share the secrets of IT with you. Listen up, because we're about to get into it. I did a Twitter poll recently at Tweets of Grant, and you all responded overwhelmingly that you wanted to hear about my experience with independent game development, or indie game dev. And so here I am, recording an episode for you all about my experience building and releasing software uh, video games on Steam. I've actually released two in my time. The first one uh, that I released was called Bonsai, and the second one was called Powerless. So today I'm going to focus on Bonsai, and I'll leave Powerless for a completely separate episode because the tech stack that I used to build each game was very different. I learned a lot through my experience of building Bonsai, and I used those learnings to help me build Powerless, and the uh, experience of building and releasing both sets of software was very different because not only were the tech stacks different, but the concept of the game was different, the target audience was different, so marketing changed, and the Steam ecosystem actually changed in between the two video games that I built and released. So there's a lot of things that we could talk about, the pre-work for building a game, the actual building of the game, and then the releasing it to Steam. So hang in there with me, we got a lot to talk about. Now let's rewind time. The year was 2015, and I was taking PTO from work for spring break. I wasn't intending to make a video game, but that's exactly what happened. Because the internet is sometimes an endless portal of information, I found myself down deep in a hole learning about some research from a Hungarian botanist by the name of Lindenmeyer online. Lindenmeyer, as his name would suggest, is the one who came up with Lindenmeyer systems, or L systems. L systems are just a general device uh, where you've got strings of characters that change over time based on a set of rules. He used L systems to model algae growth and plant growth and how cells behave relative to one another. So I thought they were cool. And my explanation probably isn't super clear, so I'll try and uh, give an example here. So let's say you've got two symbols, the letter A and the letter B. You start with a string with one character in it, just the letter A. Now you're going to change this string in time steps, right? So um, the letter A in time step one is, is just going to be the letter A. And then in time step two, the letter A is going to transform into the, the letters AB, okay? So every time you encounter an A in a time step, it becomes an AB. And every time you encounter a B, it becomes an A. So at time step one, you have an A. At time step two, you will have AB. At time step three, your AB will become ABA because you had two letters. The A became AB and the B became an A, ABA. This will transform at time step four into ABAAB and so on. So you can see the simulation will continue on as long as you wanna run it because you're adding to it each step. Right, the A, you add a B to it, so A, B. So you're constantly making a longer and longer and longer string here, uh, the longer that you run the simulation. L systems can be used to create fractals, but Lindenmeyer used them to model the behavior of plant cells and the growth processes of plants. So using these simple rules, you can generate trees, grasses, and a ton of other plants. You just have to get the rules right to create the shape that you want and convert your symbols into a visualization that makes sense. This is probably a bad analogy, but I think of it like your A is a plant stem and your B is a leaf. 
You could parse an L system string pretty easily and determine how tall your stems are and what, where the branches are based on where the leaves appear in the string. So if this makes sense to you so far, um, it's basically a depth first search, the way I'm describing it. But you're not searching for anything, you're just traversing the entire tree so that you can draw it at each time step. So all of this stuff that I'm talking about, the L systems, this is actually the foundation of the video game Bonsai that I had created. Up to this point, I actually still wasn't considering making a game. I was just thought the L systems were cool. The next step after understanding the basics of L systems was to go online and I found some free Java application that would generate a solid black two-dimensional tree using L systems. And I thought to myself as I was running that application was, I bet I could expand this into 3D with Game Engine. I had some experience with game development at this point in my life. It was a childhood dream of mine to write a video game, so I had dabbled in 3D engines like Ogre, Erlicht, and JMonkey Engine, if you've ever heard of these things before. But I had no experience with sound or graphic design, really. So I was kind of limited on what I could do, but I was always up for the challenge because it sounded like fun, uh, fulfilling a childhood dream, and then learning some new skills in the process. And I find that's the way that my brain uh, picks up new skills and, and talent is by finding a project to work on and then just hacking away at it and giving it a shot. I have built a lot of really bad things in my time, but every time that I try something new and I produce something that's terrible, the next time I try it, I get a little bit better. And so I had produced a whole lot of really crappy things with old game engines back, you know, in 2010, 2012, and they never really went anywhere. And so when I refreshed everything in 2015 at this point in time, I was a little bit better at it. And so I had a, a pretty good goal in mind and I was willing to drive this thing through to completion and actually set a line in the sand and say, hey, this is where I'm done, right? So those were all some of the, the mental things I was going through as I was working through this project of turning Lindenmeyer systems into a 3D visualization. Over the course of this PTO week, I was able to convert that 2D Java application over into JMonkey Engine and then make it into 3D by expanding the L systems to work across three axes instead of two. The person who had built the application did a reasonably good job at making it clear for me to understand how the L systems were developing across two dimensions. And so I just took that same code, I pasted it into the third dimension and then modified it a little bit so that the third dimension wasn't just a copy of one of the other axes. And this is the point where my brain was like, hey, this could probably be a pretty fun video game. And I thought to myself, let someone prune the branches off or water the plant, give it some music and camera controls, and then maybe you've got a kernel of something that is gonna be enjoyable for people to play. Before we go down that path, though, let's talk the technology stack. You may be wondering why on earth I chose JMonkey Engine to build this thing. It was 2016, and engines like Unreal Engine, Unity, and CryEngine were a bit available for use. The problem was, I didn't know how to do game dev with those things. But I was an expert in Java, so I used the tool that I was familiar with. In hindsight, it probably would have gone a whole lot faster even with the learning curve if I had just used Unity from the start. Even today, I'm still not sold on Unreal Engine because as far as I know, it requires code to be written in C. Now, if you use these tools, you don't actually have to write code. There's a guy I follow on Twitter. His name is Micah Berninghausen, and I see him using visual layout type programming a lot. 
I think it's called Blueprint Visual Scripting in Unreal Engine, but he's done some really great stuff with it. And it seems like it's a really powerful language these days. When I wrote Bonsai, it was only Unreal Engine 4, and now I think it's up to, to 5. And tools like Unreal Engine and Unity are super handy because you don't have to build your entire game from scratch. They come with asset libraries and stores online so that you could actually, from within the program, go out and search for, it's like, oh no, I need a, the model for a human body. Just open up their asset library and they may have provided one to you for free, or you can go to their store and buy one for a couple of bucks and download it as a, a, a thing into your own program and then just use it right there. You don't have to switch out. You don't have to learn 3D modeling, really. You don't have to learn graphic design. You can just use the components that have been provided to you to make your game. It is a challenge still because you need to get your artistic style to make sense and mesh overall in your program. So you can't pull like photorealistic images and models and put them right next to cartoon uh, trees and plant life. So you got to figure all that stuff out, but it's not super hard. And, you know, if you're building a video game, you're probably in it for the long haul. So you may want to pick up those skills or pay someone on like Fiverr or some of these other applications who do independent uh, contracting to help you out. And tools like Unreal Engine and Unity get better over time as they add new features to it with uh, like dragging and dropping multiplayer support into your game or some analytics to let you know how people are actually playing your game or you know, maybe it's a saving and loading a game. You just drop these engines into your game, and then you can focus on the actual content you're building rather than the mechanics of disk IO and, and all of that kind of, I don't know, it's like administrative work. It's not really the fun part of building a video game, it's the necessary part uh, to glue it all together and make it operate. So anyways, that's a little bit about the tools that you can use. I do think Unity fits me a little bit better because it supports C-sharp and Unreal Engine is, uh, I think it's C and C++ under the hood if you want to write custom software with your game. And if you have ever programmed in those languages, you'll understand that like C-sharp, you get a whole library of functions and utilities that come with the language out of the box that are really helpful. And it also does memory management for you. And I just happen to like the way that the, the language feels when I'm typing it as opposed to C and C++, which are super powerful languages, but they don't do any memory management for you. You have to watch out your pointers, be careful how you're writing your software. You have to build a lot of data structures from scratch. I know you can import libraries and stuff, but there's just, it's way more cumbersome to do that in C and C++ than it is in C Sharp. So for that reason alone, I tend to um, gravitate towards languages like Java or C Sharp, and Unity supports C Sharp I think it supports Lua too, but I don't know anything about that language. It's like scripting language. Um, so Unity is, you know, whatever. In my opinion, it was just a little bit easier to crank out a game using Unity the second time around. So anyways, the game is called at Roadless of the Game on Twitter. Follow it. Uh, see the videos that Micah posts and learn a little bit about Unreal Engine through his experience of building that game. It looks awesome. I can't wait until he releases it one day. And um, so back to my game, though, Bonsai and the use of JMonkey Engine. At this point, Bonsai was really just a open the application and watch a tree grow based on time steps. There wasn't a whole lot of variety to it and there was absolutely no user interface or way to save the game or anything. So the next thing I had to do was give it a little bit of variety. And I took the L systems, I created a template 
kind of a, a base tree model that you could build off of and expand. And I made different types of trees, maple, sycamore, oak, birch, each of them with their own L system rules that would govern how the tree grew and each of them with different variation in leaves and bark patterns. There's a little bit of graphic design and mapping for the, the lighting to get that just right, at least the way that I, I liked it. And I'm not saying this is the world's most advanced visual game ever, right? It's just like my opinion of what I thought looked good. My intent had always been to make it so that people could create custom trees or custom objects using the L systems. And now that I'm recording this episode, I kind of want to go back and tear this code apart again and add that functionality. But I never got around to it. I was thinking about the Steam Workshop and DLC and just expanding games. And so, you know, you get busy with life, new things come up, and these projects, once they've outlived their usefulness, kind of go away and they die. But I don't know, maybe I'll revamp this project at some point in time using a, a modern game engine. So I had some variety now, different types of trees that would grow. And I had to create a user interface now to actually make it into the game, start a new game, load old ones, and JMonkey Engine provided this really jankety XML format that you could basically set up widgets in XML format, and JMonkey Engine would, would render it all. There was a name for the library and the technology used, but I forget it. It's been so long, but that was how it was. You basically set your widgets in XML, and then you would type in the string of the callback function into the Java code that it would fire off an event for when the button was clicked for example. And so I, I wired that all up, got some icons and some fonts for the text that I liked and a color palette that I was pleased with and threw together a basic UI where you could load and save a game, had to, had to write the uh, code to load and save as well. And um, then when you created a new game, there are some buttons on the side that you can click that would put your cursor into the mode for trimming the tree or watering the tree and um, you know, muting the sound if you wanted to. Because the whole intent for Bonsai was never for you to be fully engaged with it, like sit there for a half hour and watch a tree grow. It was supposed to kind of run on the side as a nice little thing with calming music and you could watch your tree and over the course of like two or three hours, watch this thing grow to full maturity. And if you paid half a bit of attention to it while you're doing something else, then you'll have this cool tree that you have shaped and sculpted into something beautiful by the end of that, uh, that whole time period. And at this point in time, uh, you had the user interface, the basic loading and saving mechanics and a game that would run. Uh, I had to create some music. And so I went online, I found some music and sound effects that I liked that were available for free. There's a ton of stuff online that's uh, usable for free. So I downloaded all the stuff that I didn't have to buy a license for, and then I pulled it into the game and started to think, how am I gonna get this thing released and sell it? And that's when Steam came up, obviously. No matter where you're gonna sell your application, you need to think about the target environments it's gonna run on. So JMonkey Engine, it's Java-based, right? So I've got a jar file. That jar file needs to run inside the Java Runtime Engine. So if I'm releasing my application, I can either assume the person running the game has a uh, Java Runtime of the right version, or Java will handle downloading it, right? That's a little jankety. So the way that I wanted to release my game was to actually package up the JRE with the game, and then take the jar file, and so people didn't know it was a Java application, wrap it in an executable. 
This may seem like a lot of extra work, but I think that though not having to make your end user download any third party or additional stuff to run your application, but having it all self-contained is part of professionalism in releasing a polished application or a polished game. So these were not just like nice to haves. These were requirements for me. And one of the things that I think is necessary in building a somewhat professional looking video game. If memory serves, I actually have three different versions of Bonsai that I built and released. Um, there's one for Windows and one for Linux, and I think the one for Linux comes in 32 and 64 bit. I can't quite remember off the top of my head, and I really don't feel like pulling the game out today um, <laughs> to figure it out. But I remember there were three different versions, and so I would have to build and compile this thing and build three separate ways of uh, installing it on a machine. Uh, so it's a bit of an overhead if you want to support multiple systems and have multiple routes for getting your game in, like installed 32, 64-bit, that type of thing. But it was overhead that I thought was worth it. So I went through all of that uh, process to build a basically a, a .exe or an executable that I could give to somebody. They'd double-click the thing and it would run through the install process on the machine and then you know create all of the, the shortcuts. The best tool that I've found to build installation systems is actually NSIS, the Nullsoft Scriptable Installation System. It's awesome. Once you learn the basics, you can create installs for any uh, operating system that you know is mainstream and uh, goes really fast and it codifies what you're doing. So everything you're going to get, you don't have to worry about having any weird one-off files on a file system. Uh, it's all like installation as code, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was really great. Now, video games built, it's packaged, it's releasable. And so I had to get it onto Steam because I knew that in 2016, Steam was probably my best method of getting this thing into the hands of consumers. And so I went online and figured out how you get on Steam. And at the time, it was actually through the Greenlight program. And for Greenlight to happen, you have to pay, had to pay a hundred bucks and then get enough upvotes for uh, Steam to say your game was worthy of being in their marketplace. It has since changed. Now you just pay a hundred bucks and you can put any game that you want on Steam. So the green light system was kind of its own thing. I did get the votes necessary to release Bonsai, so that was cool. And once I was in the Steam ecosystem, they, <laughs> there was a whole nother round of stuff I had to consider. Now I don't just have to release a video game. I have to integrate with the Steam system. So that means making achievements so that as you do things in the game, it's like, oh, you trimmed a thousand branches. Oh my gosh, you've gotten a new achievement. You're a entry-level gardener, right? So I, I went about integrating Bonzo with Steam in that manner. And there was actually Java code I had to write in JMonkey Engine in order to integrate with the Steam library to be able to connect those achievements to a person's account. I also had to create a whole set of like marketing materials and extra things in Steam. So I'm talking about like when you open up Steam and you see the video games that are being shown to you displayed right at the very top. It's like, oh, look, new games on Steam. Those are all custom graphics that the game developer has to put together themselves. Then when you click into the game, you've got your Steam store. You've got videos, trailers that you need to put together. There are like weird background images that are half ghosted that you can see. So you take screenshots of your video game or, or do something 
fun that, you know, is a, a nice little background on the half transparency. It's little things like that that you don't even consider when you're going to buy a game on the store that the developer has to put together. And then icons for every single one of the achievements. And then I think there are also like when you're chatting to people on Steam, I, I can't remember what they're called. They're like emotes or emojis or stickers or whatever. But you got to make all those as well for your video game. And then one thing that I had kind of overlooked was trading cards. So as you play games on Steam, it is a random timer that will unlock a random trading card into your inventory. You can sell those or collect them and get uh, badges in your profile. And so you've got to put the badges together as well. So more graphic design, just a ton of, of extra stuff. But I like it. I think it makes the games a little bit funner to play on Steam. You can collect stuff and, um, you know, it's its, whole, its own thing. So once I had all of those materials put together, then uh, Steam was like, cool, you can go ahead and release your game. And when you get to that point, you there's a, a special thing that you've got to download that will help you upload your game package into the, the Steam ecosystem. So you have a developer account in a separate location on Steam, and you set you specify like, hey, I want to build, I want this package here um, to be released to cu customers. Uh, I've got another package I want to be released to like testers. So you can specify what you are distributing on Steam, and then you use their tool to kind of pull the artifact that you want to distribute from your local machine and put it into the Steam distribution mechanism. And then from there, you can even actually request keys get generated so you can give away the product for people to review it or give it away to people to test. And uh, it's quite a, a nice little ecosystem that they've got put together. Once you learn it, it wasn't hard to learn, honestly. I think the entire process of once I had the game ready and was approved as a developer, learning all of the Steam intricacies took me maybe just a couple of days. It really wasn't a ton of effort. And then um, I uploaded my game to Steam, and then that's when the marketing starts. Steam gives you a pretty fat uh, visibility for your video game when you first publish it. And I think in the first 24 hours, I got over a million views. And uh, some of those translate into sales. Not all of them do. Uh, I want to say, what was it? It's like, a, it's a pretty low number of views to, to actual sales. Uh, but then you, you can see all these statistics in real time and actually see when people put your game on the wish list. And it get, Steam will also give you a couple of extra rounds of visibility. So if you do major updates to your video game, then you can promote it and it'll pop to the front of the store again for people who are kind of interested in similar games. So you get a couple of rounds of massive visibility in the Steam ecosystem, and then it's on you to market your video game on the side. So you get on social media, Twitter, talk to your friends, try and get people excited about playing your game. And then you participate in big Steam events. Uh, for example, they have like a big fall sale, right? And you'll get an email and it's like, hey, how much of a discount do you want to give for participating in the fall sale? And that will drive a ton of uh, sales as well. Now, Steam ecosystem is a lot like every other thing in the entire world where the, like, the top 1% make all the money and everybody else uh, doesn't. <laughs> and so Bonsai is definitely not in the top 1%, but it did sell 46,000 copies at about, I think it started off at $2 uh, for sale. And then today it's like down to $1. I've even considered making it free because it doesn't sell a whole lot anymore. And it shouldn't sell, right? You get all of your sales for a video game up in the front and then you kind of trickle in a little bit over time as you give it discounts and then participate in 
bundling it with other like video games. You may get lucky and, uh, you know, after two years of uh, having your game out in the wild, somebody picks it up and then, you know, a news story happens and you get some more attention and then boom, you get another spike of sales. That doesn't happen to everybody. In fact, it doesn't happen to most people, but those things are all possible outcomes, right? So it's not like Bonsai's dead or any game is really dead, but you make, in general, you make all your money up at the front in the first year and then you make less after that. And so that's why you'll see a lot of these video games get sold from one publisher to another one who wants to maybe revamp it or refresh it a little bit. Uh, it's more like intellectual property or the the idea of the game more than it is about the actual video game. And that's where it's at today. Bonsai still is on Steam for sale. You can go in there and see all the, the photos of the people have taken of their trees and uploaded them. It's pretty wild to see like people from Japan in you know Japanese writing there, uh, people from Germany writing German and posting pictures and then Americans doing it and Russians. And it's just really weird to think that people all around the world are playing this silly little game that I put together in my spare time and published on Steam for like a hundred bucks. And it was very worthwhile. The entire process was from start to end. I enjoyed it. Um, there is one thing that I did not enjoy, though, and that is pretty much the culture of people who play video games. They're not kind whatsoever. If I had a dollar for the number of times that I was told that I need to kill myself for producing such a bad game, I probably would have made more from those comments than I did from the, the actual sale of the video game. <laughs> So it is brutal, it is terrible, and I don't recommend you write video games if you have a thin skin because people will call you all sorts of things and trash your video game, trash you as a, a human being, and that is just outrageously pathetic uh, to experience firsthand. These days, I try and be nicer to people online than I probably was in the past because I know how those comments affected me when I was making my video game. In fact, it was so bad with Bonsai that I decided to stop even working on the game. Was, uh, you know, I had mentioned I didn't like reading the comments and I just lost motivation to, to change the video game. It didn't deter me long term because a couple years later I decided to make a second video game. But I at least went into it the second time with my eyes wide open. I thought people would see the game that I had built for the first time. Uh, they would like it and they would be nice about it, but they weren't. They were absolutely the opposite. So I know we can do better as humans, as people, building each other up. I am hopeful for a future when our online interactions are cordial, just like most of our in-person interactions are as well. And I'd encourage you also to bring that uh, persona of positivity into the online world where it is very much needed. And maybe we'll get you know better products, better uh, entertainment out of being good people to each other. So on that positive note, I'm going to go ahead and end this episode. It was fun talking about Bonsai and kind of reliving that process here. And like I said, there's a whole separate game that I built called Powerless that was based in Unity. And the Steam ecosystem had actually changed a whole lot from the first time with Bonsai to the second time with Powerless. I do plan on doing another episode on Powerless. I don't know if it'll be the next episode or not, but if you are interested in it, send me an email at hello at grantdryden.com or tweet me at Tweets of Grant. I will also add a link to Bonsai in the podcast description so you can actually see the video game that I produced and kind of connect it with this episode and kind of see, you know, what was produced versus how it was built, and maybe you'll learn something from it. That's the point of this episode that I, I'm doing. 
And lastly, please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm serious about that. If you've got questions about your career or if you're going through college and trying to figure out this whole world of information technology, connect with me on LinkedIn, send me a message. I would be happy to answer your questions. So I look forward to hearing from you and thank you so much for listening. I'll see you again next time. I'm not going to do that.